Sean, you have completed your first season in Formula One. Thank you, Pepper. Wait, I haven't finished. Your carrier in the Verstappen name in Formula One, and I have to say, I am disappointed. What? They tell me your erratic driving means that you're four points off a ban. What kind of Verstappen are you? <laughs> what? It should be no points off a ban. <laughs> This is so unfair. Go to your room. <sighs> to your room, Max. Don't make me come up there and start a massive pit fire. Hello and welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed. I'm Gareth, he's Richard. Hello. And a large welcome back to Zog Zog. Nice to have you back. Hello again. How are you? I'm okay. I'm okay. Good to be back. I want to know from both of you, we'll ask you Zog first because we haven't seen you for two shows. When a Formula One race is over, we tend to feel sadness. It's like, oh, it's a gap to the next one. When this race was over, the last race at Abu Dhabi, part of me was slightly relieved that this season was over. Did you feel the same? Not really. Why were you relieved? What was stressing you so much? Worry about whether Hamilton and Rosberg were going to get into a fight at the end of the race or something? Yeah, yeah, all that just annoys me. They should behave better. Richard, were you relieved when it was over? I know what you mean. There was a sense that maybe it was just carrying on for no reason. Yeah, It was just going through the motions because it seemed like everybody broadly had just settled down to a position now. For the final bit of the season, yeah. Rosberg would out-qualify and then Hamilton would be second. There'd be some awkwardness in that room afterwards. And then the third place would sort of be probably a Ferrari or maybe a Williams. Everything would just be utterly hopeless for McLaren. Again, there was no sense of any improvement. Yeah. And maybe the feeling that everybody was sort of thinking about next year anyway. So, you know, well, let's just go. Look, Hamilton's won. Mercedes is the world champions. Everybody take some time off. That's not bother. I mean, I agree that there's a bit of a sense that things aren't as they should be. Things could be in better shape in terms of the competitiveness of the field throughout the field. And also in terms of some of the technical rules and how that's playing out. Basically, the engines are too expensive and too hard to develop. They've just poo-pooed the idea of customer engines, haven't they? The F1 committee made up of various teams. Well, the last time we talked about this on the show, we said that we couldn't see how a two-tier engine thing would work in Formula One, that it would... Split Formula One into Formula 1.5. Yeah, you've got to have a junior bit. Yeah. Well. So are we glad that the... What do they call it? The customer engine? No, they didn't call it that. Client engine. Client engine, engine. I, that's I, the word. The word client I always have a problem with because it, <laughs> yeah. it, for some reason it always sounds like prostitutes. <laughs> I wondered if that's what, what was where you were... A Johnny anyway, engine. Moving swiftly. John. Oh, John, yeah. John, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it just reminds me of something that happened the other day. They've opened this thing around the corner from my house and it's called Bangkok and it Hello. basically seems to be like a knocking shop. And I was talking to a friend of us who used to live around our way and doesn't anymore she said what's going on in the area and i went oh i've opened a bit of a knocking shop around the corner and she went mm, handy and i went yeah that's Hello. one of the things they do and she, and she didn't she went what and then i had to explain no and that made it really awkward no. um i was going to read you something though that somebody put on twitter earlier on when i was on my way over here God. in a way it sort of seems to typify perhaps Certainly some of my dissatisfaction with the way the season just sort of kept plodding on and Mercedes very dominant and you can't hold that against them. They were just the no. best team. But I have no problem of, with Mercedes. I have a problem with everyone else not being as good as them. Of everything is what bugs me. And so this is the radio exchange between Rosberg and his engineer after Rosberg had just won the Abu Dhabi race. Rosberg said, Woohoo, awesome guys. Thanks for this end of the season. It was really great. His engineer said, Great job, Nico. Rosberg said, Thanks very much. Can I do some donuts? The engineer <laughs> said... Uh, we'd rather save the fuel. 
And then Rosberg said, well, you tell me. I want to do them. Can I do them or not? And the engineer said, OK, do one donut. <laughs> yeah, that, that, I agree. That's dismal, isn't it? Actually, that's everything that's wrong there. On that, I'm not going to particularly single out Rosberg for this, but a lot of those post-race Woohoo, I won. Stage and oh, could you be any less convincing in your excitement? Yeah, and, it really is, isn't it? It's just, um, I, I, hello, I said this that. is the team boss coming around. It's, it's well done, driver, and I've prepared this because I know that this is going to go out on air. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, I've thought about what I'm going to say. And yeah, there we go. And, yeah. And, yeah. I fish that Tony Blair thing, isn't it? Now is not the time for sound bites, but I feel the hand of history. <laughs> 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 oh, Wait a minute! That was a sound bite, you grinning buffoon. I said that when the first whooping that Rosberg did on the radio after he won in Abu Dhabi, and my wife's in the room, and I just went he's faking it and she went yeah he's faking it <laughs> <laughs> girls know well yeah. yeah we reckon we're in some ways relieved that the season is over but nowhere near as much as Alonso has relieved that wonderful sequence when he went and lay on the deck chair a couple of races back that broke the internet didn't it that's what we want from Formula well, One something I, ridiculous I've got to say you know my respect for Alonso has increased enormously as a result of the season after what he's had to go through it's a great shame to see him and Button putting up with driving such a dog of a car and I really hope that McLaren are in better shape next year and they can make a real step forward and they can get a bit of payback for all the they've been through this year because there's only them and Ferrari who have two world championship winners driving their cars Mm -hmm. and it feels like they're just squandering this immense talent they have there but you're right I have never been the biggest fan of Alonso the man Mm. he's a terrific driver but I have to say I would like Alonso 2015 spec as a bloke yeah because I know he sometimes gets a bit stroppy in the car but you can (laughs) sense the frustration and I give him that out of the car and his general sort of, oh, God, you don't have to be constantly disappointed to work here, but it helps kind of <laughs> attitude that him and Button have all the time. I just think, fair play, because they could be petulant and stroppy, and I would imagine if this was Hamilton and Rosberg in that crummy car, they would be having a right old toys out of the pram moment. But I think because Alonso and Button, they're both wise old dogs, and they've mm. been around the block a bit, and they're just like, oh, come on, maybe it'll get better, but there's no point in stressing yourself unduly. Let's just treat this as all a bit of a gag, which yeah. hence deck chairs and Button doing comedy radio messages. And but equally, they have been doing a good job in the circumstances. You they know, have you know, the drivers. They have been clinging on it. I mean, that's been, the thing. Lord alone knows how bad that car really is if you put yeah. some less than stellar talents into it. Hmm. This whole thing about Alonso potentially taking a sabbatical in 2016 seems to have gone to the wall now. I think no, Dennis was misquoted, or the, mm. he was taken out of context. Well, he, I not, think he said something a bit weird, and then uh, they, immediately some journalists went, we've just been talking to Ron. So, Fernando, what's going on? He was like, what? So, it was all I, a bit I, awkward. And then Ron Dennis went, oh, I didn't say that. Yeah, he did. Well, I... Because he said something like that he was open to the idea of yes. Alonso yeah. taking his sabbatical. Ron but, said that, yeah. But And I can't remember the detail of exactly what was asked, but the point was he clearly didn't mean, yeah, Alonso might take next year off. The way I read it was that he was saying, yeah, in principle, I'd be OK with that. Yeah. It's not happening, but in principle, yeah. I guess. Why not? I could never see it actually happening for two very good reasons. One... If Alonso was going to make that decision based on the performance of the car in the first test, and when he does his few laps, if he thinks it's not a great improvement from where we were, let's stop a Van Dorn have the season and I'll go and put my feet up for a bit, that sends out such a negative message to any of McLaren's supporters or partners that, you know, 
God, even Alonso can't mm. be bothered. We could write this season off. That would damage the stock of the team. There's no way that could happen. And second of all, can you see Ron letting Alonso go and race in another series like the WEC or Le Mans? No, not at all, because it would give kudos to Porsche. Therefore, Alonso would have to literally have gardening leave all year. He's not in a million years going to do that. He's an overachiever, isn't he? Yeah, but it's not on the cards anyway, so yeah. we know it's not happening. I, mean, I think the thing is, if he gets in the car in the first test and he doesn't slide off and get electrocuted, then he's going to consider himself up on the deal compared to last well, year. And so. McLaren were fastest in the just-completed tyre test. Although, granted, you know it's a tyre test post-Grand Prix at Abu Dhabi, so it means hardly anything. But Very interesting, that, that, because the media weren't allowed into that test. There was no reporting, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, which they is were trying, They were trying to find a cliff for the tyres, weren't they? They were trying to sort of push the tyres yeah. to a point where they knew it would fall off quickly to give us that sort of sense of jeopardy that the tyres seem to have lost since they were asked to become a bit more conservative than they were. No, it's swinging back the other way. It's like mm. butter patting into shape. Poor old Paul Hembury out of elbow <laughs> yeah. he must be so bored of the phone ringing and so what do you want now you want them worse okay yeah. fine we'll make them worse yeah, yeah, hi, yeah. Uh, ring ring hi Paul Henry. Yeah, oh, you want them better now fine okay well yeah, stop making them worse lads we want them better it's just make your f- minds up well, a, and, and that kind of thing make your mind up that kind of reflects the engine thing too I'm sure we're all concerned about how the engine rules are going to play out in the next couple of years you know it's causing all kind of difficulty but how do you change it? I can't see how they're going to really be able to tweak those engine rules to make them work. The only way is to force the hand of the engine constructors into providing engines at a loss, effectively. That's what they're asking for. And the constructors are not willing to do that. Mercedes say they won't deliver it at a loss. And if they're, you know, one of the most profitable car manufacturing companies on the planet are unable, unwilling to do that in the interest of self-promotion and promotion of the sport... There's no hope anyone else is going to do it, really, is there? No. Honda, it was mooted today by Ron Dennis that when they come to supply a second team, it could be Sauber. But Manisha Kaltenborn says, well, no one's talked to me about it at all. Well, no, this is even better. I just pulled this up because I was a bit confused about this. There seems to be conflicting things. I just pulled this up on Autosport. Ron Dennis said that, or there was speculation and Autosport say they understand that talks had taken place between the two parties, Sauber and Honda. But when asked about this, (laughs) Manisha Kaltenborn (laughs) denied talks had taken place. I have not spoken to Honda, she said, and as far as I know, they have not spoken to me. And as far as she knows, she (laughs) So it's like they could have spoken to me, but I was asleep or I I wasn't paying attention or I had a Walkman on. I don't know. Is that a slightly odd sort of loyally construction? It's brilliant. She's a lawyer, isn't it? Exactly. I didn't speak to them. I'm not aware that they spoke to me. It is not my recollection. Maybe they they were speaking in the same room whilst I was there and Mm. there were some words. Yeah, I don't think it's got that far yet, has it? I think this is just Ron, probably pressed by a journalist again. Which team Well, like you said, it's not going to happen but I don't have a problem with it happening with Sauber it's the same thing again this seems to be a repeating pattern in Formula 1 Sauber have had a bit of a quiet season haven't they Mm. with their funny GP2 looking car I want them to go back to being solid sort of sometimes surprising mid-rankers and Mm. and they've lost that power of surprise they've just been mid-rankers which is no good at all I like them being plucky outsiders yeah although without Honda taking a well that'll that'll just ruin everything that'll be yeah yeah. that's the other thing I really want Sauber to become true backmarkers and well Well, Honda power could be their passport uh, absolutely, yeah. When Sauber are seriously outperforming McLaren and Honda, you know, the F1 well, is doomed. Wait till next year. <laughs> just just <laughs> wait till next year. Come on, come on.
Alright, Keith, the rest of the issue's done. What have we got for the news pages? Uh, it's nothing brilliant, boss. Come on, Keith. Auto Action Sport Motors known for its news. There must be something. Well, um, we've got a couple of anonymous tip-offs. Oh, yes, that's good. Tell me more. Yeah, well, the first one says there is a quantum of possibleness that a certain Formula One vehicle operative of Iberian origin may avail himself of a temporal period consisting of 12 months in which his duties are not inactive. Stop, that's doing my head in Oh, read the other one. Uh, right, the other one says an operation in the Formula One spectrum of Swiss origins may have a degree of interestitude in a contractual opportunity presented in the acquirement of vehicular propulsion systems confectulated by the Honda concern of Japan. Forthwith, well, I stop. No, this is just drivel. Do we know where we've come from? Well, it's a bit weird, but both letters arrive with a woking postmark. Interesting. And how do they finish? Well, they don't. Step Petrol! We Gareth Jones on speed! I'm sure we've mentioned this on the programme in the past, but there was a famous sketch with Stephen Fry and the bloke who is house... Hugh Laurie. Hugh Laurie, thank you. Who looks a bit like me, I always thought, Hugh Laurie. This is when they had a sketch show in the 80s. And Hugh Laurie is a Formula One driver who's just won the World Championship and he's on the podium. Stephen Fry goes, Anton, you've won the World Championship, you must be thrilled. Yeah, well, you naturally were very happy to have won the World Championship. And he can't get a smile or a sense of happiness. The reporter ends up punching the world champion. There's a sense of that in Formula One at the moment. I know Lewis isn't very happy because he hasn't won the last three races. But when he turns up and is petulant, it annoys the heck out of me. I want to love Lewis. I'm struggling. Really? Listen to this. This is what Martin Brunel said about him today. Another one for the psychologists. Lewis has chosen to distance himself from the other drivers, especially on the pre-race track parade. This must add subconscious stress into race day and driver briefings. The real Lewis Hamilton I've known for very many years is a thoughtful, entertaining and engaging person. I don't get the loner stance. I also think that the kid from Stevenage is faster than the rapper from L.A. And that confident and diligent Rosberg can now beat mid-Atlantic men. He's upped his game. Mm. Well, I don't know. Rosberg's had two chances to beat him so far in the same car. Hamilton's soundly beaten him both times. Honestly, I don't think that Rosberg is ever going to beat Hamilton in the same car. No. I think that when the chips are down, Hamilton... It fires him up, yeah. and Rosberg is a choker. And when the chips are the opposite of down, up, whatever that would be, mm-hmm. and it sort of doesn't matter anymore, and I don't buy this, oh, Hamilton's lifted off, he doesn't care. He's a racing driver, and a very good and very successful one. He still wants to win those final races of the season, just because oh, he, yeah, he wants to. We've met racing drivers, but, we know what they're like. They cannot let someone else win, no matter whether it costs them nothing or not, can they? They have to oh, do oh, sure. it. But I do think that, that Hamilton has slowed down a little bit in those last few races, not because he doesn't want to win as much. Yeah. Basically, he hasn't been working quite as hard. He's been parting a little bit more, yeah. taking it a little bit easier. On race day, he still wants to win hmm. but he's just not quite as well, well prepared is, yeah. and he's already won the world championship so maybe that desire to win isn't quite as keen as it was yeah, yeah. So no, he, in his heart and his very fiber of his being of course he wants to win because he's a racing driver but there's just that tiny psychological you've done it old son 
Yeah, just yeah. Don't stress yourself. And I yeah. know that he would never probably outwardly acknowledge that, and he'd still say he wants to win because he really does and believes that. But there has to be deep within you just that sense of. <sighs> Right, well, well that's I, that bag then. This is why I'm shelf. uncomfortable with Lewis, because I would love to see Lewis be a bit more relaxed and groovy and magnanimous now. I wish he could come second and go, yeah, Nico did a great job today. Well, did I'm you not see? worried about that now. That's all he has to say, with a smile, you know? Yeah. It's the yeah. lack of magnanimity. Magnetic. The lack of magnum PI that has made it a little bit awkward. And that sit-down press conference after the race in Abu Dhabi... When the question, I mean, there's asinine questions that they get asked, but it's an interesting one. Nonetheless, will you be sending each other a Christmas card? Yeah. And they could have been cool about that. Mm. And they could have yeah. just gone, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they weren't. They were just po-faced and rather tedious, and it was awkward. And they clearly don't like each other anymore. And it's so sad, because you see those rather sweet pictures of them together when they were both in karting and stuff, yeah. and you go, ah, oh, they were mates. They were actual proper mates, and now they're not, and that's just yeah. a shame. And it's yeah. also the fact that when one of the press conference journalists said something to Hamilton, how do you feel about Nico? winning do you like to have won here and he said something really dickish like mm. well you know I've won the world championship it was just like yeah. oh, d- 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 no, I, I nice. agree. They're, they're, just try and be likeable the pair of you because at the moment they're just struggling to like both there is dickishness in their relationship from both sides I yeah think. oh yeah, like, absolutely. Say, you know, yeah. yeah but hey it's their relationship as long as they're giving us some entertaining racing that's the main thing as long as they're actually racing each other and it's hugely to Mercedes credit that they have let them race yeah but they don't let Hamilton when he has all these mad plans about yeah, don't let me change my tyres you know let me run it on strat 20 or something and they're like oh no one goes to strat 20 Lewis no stick to strat 6 as we agreed in a very long boring meeting and it's like no let the boy have some fun I mean yes his well, tyres might pop yes he might burn out his engine but let but him have he a go do, well, he's the bloke at the point here. they did allow him to yeah. choose his strategy in yeah. the last race I believe that was a Hamilton call in the last race they have given him no, a bit I of autonomy was asking, I thought he was going no I don't want to come in for tyres and they went you've got to come in for tyres and you went, not. officially it was his call apparently mm, really yeah well, within the confines of oh, oh, do know. you want to do A or B we suggest A yeah, yeah. I'm sure yeah. well I, I refer you back like, like to alright just do one donut is <laughs> the, the fun right. police my wife has a running gag in her office about the fun sponge people who just come in and ruin everyone's <laughs> fun and it's almost like Mercedes is one big fun sponge do one donut but make but it a no pathetic than- one yes yeah. save fuel but you don't get that sense from Toto and Nicky Lauda who had their photograph taken holding hands yes. recently well that's the weird thing this? isn't it but they're so who is the they, fun they're supposed to have their team. own little tiff going on at the moment yeah but hence they held hands to prove yeah. that there's, it's there is all no tiff well I think by process of elimination it's got to be Paddy Lowe then isn't it it must be it's got to be mm. yeah don't Come on, low. Yeah. Yeah. Lighten up, mate. Come on. Yeah, it was that year on gardening leave he did, or six months of gardening leave, wasn't it? Made him miserable. And Sitting now he's in the library reading magazines. It yeah. Toto Wolf looks like a spectacularly good fun bloke to yeah. go for a drink with. And yeah. I suspect mm. Nicky Lauder the same. He just yeah, a night out with Lauder and Wolf yeah. in downtown Vienna. Jesus, yeah. you wouldn't get home till like 5am. It would just be amazing. <laughs> and who knows whose home you'd end up. Could you? Exactly. Would you imagine if Toto's mobile keeps going? He's like, oh, it's God, it's a missus. key. How did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> Matthias, who is one of Nicky's sons, Matthias Lauder, who raced in A1GP and GP2, I think may have inherited his father's have a good time while you're out gene. The only story that most people can remember about Matthias Lauder is that he was caught curb crawling on one no 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 that's that's um, the other one you know that's um jody schechter's son that was thomas schechter in his jaguar test driver days no the matthias louder story i know 
was... Just to be clear, Matthias Lauder has never been caught curb crawling. Correct, yes. Thank you. Well done, Doug. But he was spotted, I believe, naked in Monaco at the end of a GP2 party one year. Good party, then. Yeah, on the streets of Monaco, I should say. Absolutely naked. And that's verifiable. I think that I can probably Good. say well, that. Well, without, so, without fear of being so shot by the Lauda family. None of the Austrians who run Mercedes are fun sponges, so it has to be Paddy Lowe. This is what yeah. we must conclude. And I don't know what else we can do about that except sack Paddy Lowe. Send them some champagne, maybe that'll cheer them up. Come in. Hello, Bernie. Hello, Nico. How are you? How's Monaco or Finland or wherever you're from? It's fine, Bernie. I wanted to speak with you about a rule change I wish to propose for the next Formula One season. Right. Do go on, he says, hovering his hand over the trapdoor button. Right. What I'm proposing is a change to the point system. You see, no one cares about the first half of the season. That's just the warm-up, right? So next year, the World Championship points only count for the second half of the season. For the second half of the season? You mean the bit where you did well this year? Oh, wow. I I had not realised that. Really? So what do you think? I tell you what, Nico, I'll call you, he says, not bothering to ask for your number. Great! Now get out of my office. No, I'm not going until Lewis goes. Lewis? Lewis isn't in the room. Oh, wait, here he is now. Yeah, boy! (sighs) Well, thanks, chaps. It's hard to imagine how this could be any more awkward. Good afternoon, gentlemen. My name is Vladimir Putin. And perfect. Gareth Jones on speed. I just tried to cast my mind back to think how many times have I ridden in the world's finest automobile? A Rolls Royce. I think it's either once or twice. No more than that. We had a white, something like 1973 Silver Shadow Mark II, would it have been from that period, on a programme I was in once with a big bang with Violet. We used it as a prop when I wrote and then. And I think I had a Rolls Royce when I went to the Royal Wedding Ball. I was a prize in the competition. Um, yeah, I was. Smash it. How did you escape again? What happened? Did they- <laughs> when- Here's your Gareth Jones. Take care of it. You know, Make it three times a day. This is why you can yeah, you never got- go back to Ipswich then, because of... <laughs> because of that incident, yes. I was surprising Smash it when Andrew and Fergie got married. There was a big royal wedding ball, and the prize was go to the ball with TV's Gaz Top. So a Rolls-Royce delivered us. I've got these Fantastic. great pictures of me in the full outfit with this young woman dressed in the full ball gown. It was hilarious. So I've only been a Rolls Royce twice, but the reason I'm saying this is that, Richard, you spent how many days in a Rolls Royce recently? Uh, five. 
did you actually go and live in it? Because if I had a roller parked no, outside the house, I'd sleep in it. It definitely had nicer carpets than my house. Yeah. Well, my house doesn't really have any carpets. Possibly comfier seats. Yeah. Uh, some of the seats in my house are quite comfy. But definitely, we only have one bit of carpet in our house in the spare room, and my mate Brycey was sick on it <laughs> just after we moved in, and it's a beige carpet, and my wife's never forgiven him. And uh, thankfully, he was not able to vomit on the carpet of this Rolls Royce, which was very thick. Even the boot carpet, you know, normally in cars, the boot carpet is a bit threadbare because it doesn't yeah. need to be. Well, it's because, you know, it's you, got it's got muddy, well, it's all going to get exactly, yeah, It's got to be hard work. Like having carpet hard in the boot car is a bit silly, but the carpet is Rolls Royce. So I should explain. I bet it had underlay as well, I, didn't it? Probably, yes. Yeah. And gripper rods. Oh, very painful if there's no carpet. They are, down. yeah, that's so really nasty. Nice. It's even worse if you stub your toe like on... It's a torture oh. item, isn't it? Can you imagine? If you were some kind of baddie and you want to secure your base, gripper rods and Lego and upturned plugs. And, yeah, three And, and basically plugs. your base is impenetrable, particularly if your adversaries have bare feet. But <laughs> and, uh, and are slightly hungover. Yes, and it's gloomy. Make sure it's underlit on the way into your base where all of these items are. Where were we? Rolls-Royce. Driving a Rolls-Royce. Which one? Uh, A Wraith. Now, how does it work? The Rolls-Royce range goes what now? Silver Spectre, Silver silver Poltergeist, Silver... Silver Revenant. Yeah, Silver Silver Ectoplasm. Yes. What, what are they called now? Uh, those are all excellent James Bond films, but none of them are Rolls Royces. <laughs> so the Ghost is the entry-level car. Entry-level <laughs> Rolls Royce. Which is now available in a long wheelbase as well. The Wraith is effectively a coupe version of the Ghost. Yeah. And then above that you have the Phantom, which is the full-size saloon, and then you have the Phantom Coupe and the Phantom Drophead. And there's now a Wraith convertible, which is called something else, I think, isn't it? I can't remember what. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. So you're in the Wraith, which is a coupe. Which is a coupe. Before we go on to that, I've remembered, I was trying to think of all the times that I've been in a Rolls Royce. I had a flashback to my mate James Woodruff, former colleague of mine from Old Top Gear, now the producer of Fifth Gear, amongst other things. In fact, he produced and directed that Vulcan documentary with Guy Markham. Which was day, very good. Which was really good, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah really good. Uh, really don't be good. so surprised, well, t- boys. Well, no, I'm just saying it was a great show, but yeah, yeah. Martin, Vulcan, really tell him yeah, really nice good. work from I'm seeing, well, I, I texted him as, when I watched it and, and said, this is really good. And I'm seeing him in a few days because I want to talk to him about all the bits he had to cut out because apparently it was a nightmare. They got so much good stuff. But he bought an old Silver Shadow early 70s one nice. cheapo like five six grand worth of Rolls Royce bet it was um, gold we've worked it? with Quentin Wilson for too long I think and it rubbed off on James and he went <laughs> yeah it smells good and get it rid of that and I went to see him and he'd been fiddling with his Rolls and he went well let's go to the pub for lunch and he made me ride in the back because he said you're not getting the full experience the ride quality in the back seat is noticeably better than in the front it's just that's the place to be but well, then the- we pulled up at this pub like basically like some kind of harvestry-type carvery place, because he lives in Birmingham, so they're all carveries for some reason. And we pulled up outside this pub, lots of people having Sunday lunch in the windows, and he insisted that I wasn't to get out till he came round and let me out. That, Good lad. That, that's what I'd want if I'm riding in the back of a Rolls Royce. Well, it was nice, but also frankly, very I'd be, embarrassing. I'd be just disappointed if he wasn't wearing a peak cap. Yeah. He wasn't, but I was dressed like a complete scruff, and plainly Never not. to it. A celeb. Well, I suppose I could have been so eccentric in rock and roll. But the yeah, thing is, then what happened is he let me out, and then he went, "Oh, now I'm going to go and park it." So he went off and parked. And I had to sort of stand outside this pub, looking a bit <laughs> shifty and uncomfortable, while people going, "Who is it? I wonder if it's someone famous. Maybe he's in the Arches or something." <laughs> So on this occasion, you weren't the passenger in the Wraith, you were the driver. No, no, you don't get away that easily, guys. Oh. I've got another Rolls-Royce story, oh, no, no, no. which is worth telling. Years ago, we did some stuff. We repackaged Top Gear stuff for the Americans, and we re-recorded all the studio links because there were different films and different shows. Mm-hmm. We had a load of cars 
as studio props. We just spent a week down the studio banging out these links. One of the cars we had was a Phantom, and it was kicking around for a few days. I drove it a bit. Magnificent car. But then one night, there were five of us who were staying in the same hotel. The presenters, our studio director and me, we were stupid taking many cars. We'll take the roles. James May, natural Rolls-Royce driver with his mm-hmm. soft hands on the wheel and his general sedate pace, went, oh, I'll drive. We all piled in. Plenty of room. Lovely. Mm. Drove to the hotel. Went, Let's go out for a curry. James said, it's fine, I don't mind not having a beer, I'll drive you. So we drove to a curry house. We pulled up outside this curry house in this small village in Surrey. And from the back, Jeremy Clarkson and Richard Hammond stepped out. And you could see people in front of the curry house going, oh, yeah, so those blokes off the, the TV. God. This was way before we sort of hit our peak fame. James wasn't that well known, but you could see some people going, bloody hell, they've got that other bloke off the telly as their chauffeur. <laughs> and then James purred away to go and park the Royce somewhere else safe while we all went in and ordered some poppadoms. No, it was a lovely experience. And we got a bit tanked up and got full of lambooner and stuff. And then James very gently drove us home and it was lovely, just sort of lounging in the back of the fancy, oh. going, home, James, lower well to the hotel, whatever. So does your memory of so those first encounters with Rolls Royces, how does that stack up to the most recent experience? Is it as delicious and as wonderful as your memory as it was yeah the Wraith's a very impressive car in as much as there's a lot of attention to detail in it and whether it's the thickness of the boot carpet the instruments are very lovely because the needles what it reminded me of weirdly was pictures I've seen of hard drives where you know the little thing that reads the disc yeah, yeah, yeah. hovers just sort of fraction ever of so slightly off the of, surface of yeah the but it just looks like mm. actually it's skimming the surface like mm-hmm. a pond skater mm. the needles on the dials look like that they feel very precisely engineered and then if you look and you catch it in certain light, and only in certain light, so it's not immediately obvious, the sort of silver bit that goes around the outside with the numbers on appears to be sort of machined from a bit of metal. It's extraordinary. It's I think it's actually fine a, detail. This does Angel's eyelids, I think, is what they use. I think it might be. They yes. do that sort yes. of thing, don't they? Unicorn's they have... foreskin is, uh, yeah. is applied liberally across the lower portion of the instrument panel, which, again, is very lovely. And there's a sort of black panel which can light up in a modern way and show you lots of graphics and things but only if necessary. Otherwise, nice. good. Yes. it's glossy it's black, good. very glossy black, nice. and it's just sort of there discreetly. And if there's something it needs to tell Sir about, then Sir will be informed of it. But until that point, Need to know. just... Sir can continue his peaceful, calm yeah. existence. Yeah. 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 The, one of the most impressive things for me about it is the engine, because it's a V12 and it's got some turbos on it as well. So It's, it's some not turbos. Some turbos. It's got two yeah. turbos on it. It's <laughs> not... Sure. Well, I believe... You know how Rolls-Royce used to quote their power output yeah. as adequate? Yes. Yeah. How many turbos has it got? It's got some. Enough. Oh, it so has turbos, sir. not concern himself with the number of turbos <laughs> or where and what they're doing. Sir's mechanic will yeah. take care of the turbos if they require any It's an, an, an adequate number of turbos, sir. So what it has a lot of, as you'd imagine, is power, but more than that, torque. And I believe torque is the greatest luxury that a car can give you, in mm-hmm. a way. And mm. the way in which it gathers speed... I hate the phrase effortless... Because let's be honest, most cars, it's not really an effort to accelerate. It's just that you're sometimes required to wait a bit. Mm -hmm. And in the Wraith, you're not. You wish to do a slightly higher speed, and then you're doing it. And that doesn't matter if actually it's a lot higher speed. And it does it with such immediacy, and yet it's not sort of snappy and aggressive like a BMW M car or something. It just gathers pace in a most brilliant way. You want more speed, it gives you more speed without you having to really even think about it. It's a very hard thing to explain, but it is exactly how you would want almost all cars to be, because it is a quick car, but it doesn't impose its speed and its power upon you. Mm -hmm. They're just there if you need them. But... 
were you able to enjoy it? Because I think if I was given a... How much is it? £225,000? <laughs> well, now, yeah. when you borrow press cards, generally, they often have a laminated sheet that comes with them. It'll be in the yeah. door pocket or whatever. Oh, they said a young man who told you An old chap who described things to you. No, it's a laminated sheet, but then it has a leather surround. It's the classic effort. Okay, very good. So we were looking at this, and my wife went, oh my holy God, do you know how much this car is? And I went, oh, I think it's basic is 190, something like that. But she went, well, it's got some options on it, because I hadn't seen this thing yet. <laughs> some options. So it was 266 thousands of the pounds. However, <sighs> quarter of a million pounds. I went, oh my God. My wife kind of tensed up. She went, I can't believe how valuable this car is. Like, it made her nervous all of a sudden yeah, being in it. That's my point. But then, later, <laughs> I looked at this spec sheet, and it said £266,000 plus local taxes. Oh, so that didn't no. have VAT on it. Wow. So add 20%, so it's basically a 300 grand car. Wow. Which is... At which point, you suddenly felt an urge to get into a very, very, very slight slow-speed collision in a supermarket car park just for the hell of it. Or maybe not. I, do you know maybe, that, maybe that's like the sort of walking the bridge thing and you want to throw yourself off I don't know <laughs> I'm just, I was like a great Swedish stand-up that I saw years ago in a comedy club in London who just did this great bit about you know when you're walking across the river and you're, all you're thinking is don't throw your keys in the river don't throw your keys in the river don't throw your keys in the river and I was like yeah I do think that actually yeah, right. so yeah, sometimes I just think right. yeah. you're just walking across Hungerford Bridge or something and you think wouldn't it be really stupid if I just threw my phone in the river now <laughs> and it's like why would you but, but yeah, but, a part but, of your brain going yeah, yeah. It, why whatever not do I'm something mildly annoying for yourself Obsessive compulsive. No, I didn't crash but, the rolls. That, that never crossed my mind. But serious question: What's it like to park? Oh, it's massive. It's, it's, well, it's yes, huge. But, but it's not bad it's because it has massive, one of those you know, three sixty tricksy. You know those things that a lot yeah, of cars the, the, have yeah, now. That gives you a sort of. It, you know, it, it, it sheets the bird's if, eye view. Yeah, using wide angle. As if helicopter cameras. view. Yes. Yeah. I believe it's got an Etruscan tower sticking from the roof of the car. A small airship just goes up. Tower of Babel. Yeah, it's big. But there's more to it. There's the feel of it as you kind of. Yeah, well, the steering it's is quite light and also has a rear view camera if you want it. And has a lovely thing which the Phantom had first, where the side repeaters on the front wings, which are right at the front of the front wings. Actually, if you look closely on these cars, little cameras in them. Mm-hmm. And if you come up to a junction, there's just a button on the dash you can push, and it gives you sort of chameleon. Oh, nice. view yeah, yeah. so you can see what's coming because the bonnet is so long and magnificent mm. that by the time you sort of eased out to see what's coming on a tight street you're actually in the road and yeah. someone's going to hit you so they've thought of these things it's a magnificent car but I don't want one I, why? I, I've, well, I've, because I felt too self-conscious in it. I don't think I'm the target market I mean I know I'm from Cheshire so I, I could be prone <laughs> to vulgarity but it's not meant for me I think it's meant for modern customers who probably self-made people in China and the Middle East and things like that so it's slightly on the chintzy side maybe and that's probably modern Rolls Royce I mean why would they not cater to that You know, it's, mm. not, it's not like top yeah, in Britain by well, they've the got no money yeah. so. so the ultimate question Zog if I were to ask you Rolls Royce or Bentley oh still Bentley still Bentley yeah, yeah see that's yeah, weird because now that Conti GT is actually a really yeah. really good car I would have a Conti GT in a yeah. heartbeat and yet for some reason I don't crave the Wraith I'm impressed by it and it wasn't perfect by any means weirdly and that's almost because it was so immense in so many ways the little flaws were almost magnified what was the greatest right flaw? the key feels a bit plasticky it's massive but it actually oh, feels a bit plasticky wow. and that's so I always think the key is like the sort of the handshake of the car yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, just, it's just not quite good enough there's a lot of wind noise to the point where I thought one of the windows wasn't oh, sealing properly maybe it wasn't but on the motorway at doing sort of motorway speeds whistling by your ear which I just think is unforgivable that's quite unreal, right? yeah I know I think maybe there's a yeah. flaw with that car I'm not sure the final one weirdly was that it has those suicide doors Yeah. now mm-hmm. on the Phantom they're the back doors and it makes perfect sense hang on you carriage can... doors we call them don't we yeah I can't remember what they actually call them anyway yeah, yeah. They, they open the office tiger red giraffe it's my mate I went to see my mate Andy <laughs> in Bath and he went what is going on with this car the doors are on the wrong way around and I was like yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the Phantom you step out of the back and it's a very elegant way of getting in and out of a car like yeah. an old London taxi before mm. they updated them 
but with the Wraith, it's a two-door car, and it just seems pointless, and more than anything else, when you step out and then you try and close the door, because of the way the leading edge of the door is curved, it curves out, as most front doors of cars do, mm-hmm. quite pronounced, you actually end up clipping yourself in the back of the knee with the door, and it's really irritating. Mm. You just think, why have you done that? Just make the normals. They're so big as well, and they open so far away, there's buttons on the dash, so when you get in, you then push a button and the door closes itself. No. <laughs> Because you can't reach the handle. Yeah. So your executive passenger, to wrap this up, Little Sniff, Mm. did he have a sense of the significance of the car he was driving in when he was in a Rolls Royce? He's what, how old now? He's 20 months. 20 months. ah, One final thing. It had the optional and fearsome and expensive Starlight headline. Have you seen these? Lots of tiny little LEDs built into the roof. Create this star pattern. Again, see, my inner Cheshire is going, that's really cool. But then my sort of not Cheshire bit is going, oh, that's really vulgar. But I'll be honest, I loved it. If and only if they were actual constellations, actual... You can have this. You You can can have this. Okay, I'm sold. That's it. There you go. You can can specify... Can I give you the one I don't want? I think you can specify the night sky on the day you were born or something like that. They will retro-engineer They'll do whatever you want. That is super... You could have, like, Zog's ace in it. But the thing is... And, by the way, astrology is rubbish, but these stars are cool. So, stars, right, there's a sunroof switch off a BMW in the ceiling, and it's actually controlling the stars, makes them dimmer or brighter or switches them off. Now, we got stuck in traffic on the way back from the West Country. My little boy was getting a bit antsy i turned up the star roof and he went stars and stared at it for ages and for that alone wonderful more cars should have that well i have encountered that before and i will tell you that the last time i encountered the star over the head pattern thing that flickers if you want was when violet and i stayed in a love hotel in Tokyo. Uh, Love Hotel is somewhere where young Japanese people go because they live at home with their parents. And it's not quite as sordid as you think, it's just where they go to do it. You mean it's not quite as sordid as I would want? Yes! <laughs> and this is the only hotel we can get in. And they had flickery stars over the bed that you could program to react to the music. I love it. And now it's in a Rolls Royce. Hey, Rolls Royce is aiming high. You've been listening to Richard Porter. Goodbye. To Zog. Goodbye. And to me, Gareth. We'll see you for our next edition which is our seasonal special. See you then. To send us an email, see pictures, get song lyrics, join our Facebook fan site, follow us on Twitter, or to find out about sponsorship opportunities, go to garethjones.tv. Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Whizbang. Gareth Jones on Speed! <laughs>